Welcome to AJHP Voices, now comprising interviews on contemporary pharmacy issues and discussions with AJHP authors. The service was formerly known as AJHP Podcasts. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP. This is William Zelmer for AJHP Voices. The topic of this program is the ASHP National Survey of Pharmacy Practice in Hospital Settings, Dispensing and Administration 2014. I'm speaking with Douglas J. Shekelhoff, who is Vice President in the ASHP Office of Practice Advancement. As has been the case for a number of years, the most recent edition of the ASHP National Survey was a collaborative effort among Craig A. Peterson, Philip J. Schneider, and Douglas J. Shekelhoff. Doug, let's begin by having you briefly summarize ASHP's long history of tracking changes in hospital pharmacy practice. Sure, Bill. Uh, ASHP conducted its first survey of hospital pharmacy services back in the late 1950s with what was then called the Audit of Pharmaceutical Services. The results of that survey were, were published just over 50 years ago in 1963 in a publication that was called The Mirror to Hospital Pharmacy. Since that time, ASHP has conducted and published over 25 national hospital surveys tracking changes in practice. And these surveys have been done annually since 1998. So there's, there's a longstanding history of surveying and tracking practice over time. Indeed. Doug, uh, thinking of the latest survey that's being published now on dispensing administration, if you had to choose two or three findings that, that are most noteworthy, what would they be? Well, I think one would be the continued expansion in the use of automation and technology in virtually all aspects of the medication use process, including prescribing, dispensing, and administration. And really, the rate of adoption of, of these different technologies has been quite phenomenal. I would say a second thing that was noteworthy to me was the growth of ambulatory care pharmacists, specifically pharmacists who are in clinics performing MTM, anticoagulation management, and similar types of services. A third area that struck me as noteworthy was the rapidly growing involvement of both pharmacists and pharmacy technicians in transitions of care. And pharmacies' involvement in discharge planning, providing discharge counseling, uh, medication reconciliation, and even discharge prescription services have all grown quite a bit since we last measured these types of activities and services, which was in 2012. So just in two years, we saw pretty considerable growth. Well, you mentioned the, the rapid diffusion of technology in hospital pharmacy. From your perspective, Doug, what areas of technology do you think are having the biggest positive impact on patient safety and, and on pharmacy productivity? If you look specifically at the pharmacy, there's no question that the broad adoption of dispensing technology has had a, a big impact on pharmacy operations and in most cases also impacts patient safety by assuring that there's a high degree of accuracy of of what's being dispensed from the pharmacy. And while some of the automation is better suited for large institutions, some of those systems, like automated dispensing cabinets, for example, are very scalable and are just as easily implemented in smaller hospitals as they are large hospitals. And certainly we've seen the data reflect that. 
I would say that some of the other technologies like CPOE and other systems, they impact the pharmacy both directly, such as getting orders in a more accurate way and in a more timely way, but also indirectly because they change the work patterns of, of how work is done in the pharmacy. And so each type of automation, whether it's dispensing related or not, impacts the pharmacy in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Well, you've mentioned smaller hospitals, and I wonder, did the survey results give you any sense of areas of innovation in larger institutions that have not yet been widely adopted in smaller institutions, and which might be then a signal of things to come in the latter type facilities? There have been a number of safe practices where we have seen a lower adoption in smaller facilities as compared to larger facilities over the years, and we've often you know, made note of that. Many times those have had to do with limited hours of services or limited resources. But I would say that the availability of technology has really reduced the gap between the larger hospital and the smaller hospital and made a lot more possible. So scalable types of dispensing automation, for example, like the automated dispensing cabinet, has been widely adopted in smaller hospitals, and it's not not limited to the larger institutions. Uh, Another one is with the availability of high-speed connections, it has allowed 24-7 access to a pharmacist even when the pharmacy is closed and, you know, through the use of remote order review systems, perhaps from a different hospital, perhaps from a commercial service that provides that type of service around the clock. So now when the pharmacy may be closed because they don't have a large enough order volume and activity to justify having a pharmacist on site, in many, many cases, they still have access to a pharmacist through those remote connections. The other thing that we've tracked is the patient care services that our pharmacist provides. And I think those have been slower to evolve in smaller settings if you look at them in a traditional way, such as having a pharmacist assigned to a service or to a patient care unit like you might see in a larger hospital. But the reality is that many smaller hospitals have had pharmacist patient care services for a long time, but it's been because the pharmacist is physically more accessible and because they have a relationship with the nurses and physicians and other providers in that setting. And and in many cases, they may, may be better equipped to meet the needs of their patients than in larger hospitals. But I'll have to admit, we've struggled with how to best measure that type of activity. Many times it's somewhat informal and less structured. And so trying to to measure that through a a traditional survey has been a bit of a challenge. Very interesting. Looking at pharmacists and technician staffing in hospitals and any trends uh, that you might have spotted over the past several surveys, any comments along that line? Yes, we do track staffing levels uh, each year, and we ask the the pharmacy director who receives the survey to give us their actual number of, of FTEs for pharmacists, for pharmacy technicians. And what we've seen is that staffing has increased over time. And so if you look at it in any one year, you might see a small increase or decrease, and that just you know depends on the sampling for that given year. But if you look at it over a 10 or 12-year period, there very clearly has been an increase in the number of pharmacist positions. And this is despite having more pharmacy technicians and more automation and technology that's being used for, for dispensing. So you know, some might have projected or feared that having more dispensing-related technologies in the pharmacy would reduce the need for pharmacists, but that has not been the case. In fact, it's been, been just the opposite. And, and we've seen a similar trend for pharmacy technicians. The overall numbers have inched 
their way up over that same 10 to 12-year period. And on the ambulatory care side, we have seen an increase in the number of pharmacists that are in ambulatory clinic settings. And that's especially true for hospitals that are larger, say, than 300 beds, hospitals that are medium to large in size. Doug, just a follow-up question on this point. Given the fact that uh, pharmacist staffing continues to be uh, expanding in the inpatient setting, even um, in light of expanded use of technicians and technology, do you think that this is attributable largely to pharmacists' expanded roles in patient care, or are there other factors at play here? I think a lot of it is expanded pharmacist role in patient care. The data from the survey would confirm that. I also think it's expanded roles in different specialty areas like informatics, for example, where a number of hospitals, as they have grown in their use of their EHR and CPOE systems, and there's a lot of technology that's used within the pharmacy, not unusual that hospitals have numerous pharmacist positions that are dedicated to informatics type of practice and work. And that wouldn't have been the case necessarily, say, 10 years ago. And so those types of positions have grown. We've also seen uh, a lot of growth in things like anticoagulation management, even on the inpatient side, or in antimicrobial stewardship, where, again, there are uh, dedicated pharmacist resources that may not have been there not that long ago. So I think it's a combination of, of all of these areas that are contributing to that growth. This is somewhat of a speculative question, I know, but let me ask, is it conceivable that as health systems give more attention to population health management, which is designed in part to keep patients out of hospitals, that we might see a relative decline in pharmacy staffing in hospitals in the years ahead? It's certainly possible, but if I look at population health management, the increasing interest in population health in general, I think actually it'll better enable pharmacists and others to assess the appropriateness of medication use from a system level because they'll have tools and data and and big data that they've never really had access to before. And based on the findings, they'll be able to potentially target specific therapies or disease states for intervention and whether it's with a patient who's ambulatory or who is an inpatient. To me, in essence, one of the benefits will be to automate some of the more traditional medication use evaluations that have been done in the past and been done manually. And the focus on population health will enable the pharmacist to show their value in terms of targeting specific types of patients and diseases that may not be well managed in the current system. And it'll be more easily identified and pointed out by using software and analytics and other tools that will be available as part of population health. Well, uh, as I look at the current situation uh, in hospital care, contemplate a bit about some of the hot-button issues such as sterile compounding and handling hazardous medications. Those are certainly big public health issues that have a direct connection to hospital pharmacy. Any insights from this survey on how hospitals are doing in those areas? We continue to ask directors of pharmacy to assess their overall compliance with the USP 797 with respect to their sterile compounding facilities. And about two-thirds self-report that they are compliant with 797. And that was similar in 2011 as to what we heard from pharmacy directors in 2014. So about two-thirds. That compliance with 797 is one area where there is quite a bit of a, a disparity between the large hospitals and the small hospitals. 
When you look at the larger hospitals, over 90% report being compliant as compared to less than 50% for the, the smaller hospitals. Most hospitals report that their staff competencies are good in these areas and they're following USP 797 rules for beyond use dating. And very few are preparing high-risk sterile products and very few are taking steps to try to extend product dating. So they're really operating within the typical rules of 797. We've also surveyed about the outsourcing of preparations and about 70% of hospitals continue to outsource one or more products to an outside compounding pharmacy. And the most common products by far are those medications that are used for uh, PCA or epidurals. This year, we also surveyed current compliance with the proposed USP Chapter 800, focusing on hazardous drug handling. We found that really hospitals of all sizes will have a lot of work to do to come into compliance with the chapter, at least as it's currently proposed. It's not been finalized and released yet. The survey shows that hospitals are holding steady in their commitment to pharmacist review and approval of all medication orders before dispensing. I wonder, given advances in automation and the use of standard order sets, do you think this might change in the near future such that patient safety can be assured through computer analytics of orders without such a labor-intensive commitment by pharmacists? Generally, we believe the use of an auto-verification type of review or approval of, of medication orders based on clinical decision support rules is still probably a way off, although we are surveying on this very topic this year, trying to get a sense of whether hospitals have either order sets or some type of orders where the pharmacist no longer reviews them. You know, PRN orders, for example, laxative of choice or antacidative of choice or some, again, order sets that are very routine in, in what they include. And just to get a sense of whether they're reviewing all of those or if they have a subset for which they do not. I, I think that the idea has been out there. It's been talked about. Uh, you know, I don't think that we're, this current systems are designed to fully do this check, but you know, it's possible that they will be in the future. I, I, but I think it's still a ways off. Sure. Although the ASHB National Survey focuses primarily on inpatient care, I'm curious, were there any findings in this latest survey of importance related to ambulatory care? I know you've alluded to that briefly already, but perhaps you have some uh, expanded comments you'd like sure. to share with us. We do continue to survey on whether health systems have pharmacists that uh, are practicing in outpatient clinic, and the number continues to uh, increase really each time we survey around this. So anticoagulation clinics are the most common type of clinic that pharmacists are practicing in, but oncology, medication therapy management uh, clinics, diabetes clinics, uh, and so forth are also there. And, and especially if you look at uh, hospitals that are 300 beds and larger and hospitals that provide ambulatory care services. Not all of them do, but within those hospitals in particular, we see these numbers increasing each year. And it's it's pretty remarkable, but I think, it, again, they're seeing the value of having a pharmacist there to help patients with their medication regimens and, and treatments and to be able to manage their, their therapy uh, more effectively. Mm-hmm. 
You've alluded to this a little already, but I wonder if the results of this survey raised any questions or signals in your mind about areas that might require greater attention by hospital pharmacy practice leaders with respect to patient care or perhaps with respect to uh, institutional imperatives. There is one area that I sense that there is a bit of a disconnect and it's around hospitals utilizing pharmacy technicians for many new and, and what I would consider non-traditional roles. For example, technicians are being used uh, to obtain a medication list for patients upon admission in about 18% of hospitals and that, that's a 60% increase in just three years. Technicians are also being used to facilitate transitions of care and coordinate medication assistance programs. And all of these programs are showing to be effective in, in many ways. But at the same time, most hospitals still do not require that their technicians complete an accredited training program. And so I, you know, I think that as these additional, more advanced and new roles are uh, given to pharmacy technicians, they're lacking the foundational knowledge, or at least it varies to a great extent in terms of what their foundational knowledge is around medications in, in general and how pharmacy functions. And so while most hospitals do require that their technicians are certified by PTCB, the lack of standardized training and, and accredited training as a foundation is a concern just because these technicians are taking very significant roles and expanding roles, and they would benefit by having a better educational foundation. Well, that's a very important comment, Doug. Thanks. As we draw our conversation to a close here, Doug, from your perspective, what message do these survey results carry with respect to the ASHP Pharmacy Practice Model Initiative, which is designed to improve the alignment between pharmacy enterprise resources and the needs of patients and of the institution? Well, Bill, the results are showing positive change, and in most cases, you know, it's strongly in alignment with the recommendations of PPMI. Some of the PPMI goal areas are growing more quickly than others, and so things like automation and technology and pharmacist training and credentialing, those are advancing very quickly. Other areas, such as expanding technician and pharmacist roles, are moving ahead, but they're doing so a little more slowly. But I think it's also very tempting to expect and look for you know big jumps in percentages and to see a lot of significant change year in and year out. But the reality is real changes take a significant amount of time. We are seeing a positive trend. The numbers are growing, but a lot of times the percentages from year to year aren't growing as quickly as we might expect. Mm -hmm. Well, Douglas Shekelhoff, ASHP Vice President in the Office of Practice Advancement, thank you very much for taking time to have this chat with me about the AJHP report on the ASHP National Survey of Pharmacy Practice and Hospital Settings, Dispensing and Administration. 2014. Thank you, Doug. That concludes this interview. For more information about AJHP, please visit www.ajhp.org.